0: Just nine miles east of central London, Barking and Dagenham Giving are trying something that has never been done before. Their Grow Fund, England's first community-led investment fund, is backing community enterprises that will make a commercial and social impact in the borough of Barking and Dagenham. So what makes this fund so special? Well, it was the local residents who decided how the fund was managed and invested. So join me as I speak to the business owners, the decision makers and the charity at the helm about what happened next. I'm Elvi Matty. Welcome to Nine Miles East, a podcast about a financial first. I've lived in Barking and Dagenham for over 18 years, since 2005 to be exact. I founded a dance club business in the borough called Converse Dance Cruise, and we run fun and engaging dance classes for young people and adults in the borough. What I love most about the community here is that there are so many talented people who can sing, dance, design and create. It has such a wonderful vibe. What people get wrong about Barking and Dagenham is how significant it has been as part of London's wider history. The riches to rags, and returning to Rich's story, it's just one of the many things that makes Barking and Dagenham special. So to truly understand the landscape of today, we need to go back in history. Born in 1863, Henry Ford was an American industrialist and the so-called pioneer of welfare capitalism, who founded the now ubiquitous Ford Motor Company and expanded it to Britain. It was in 1931, after more than 30 other locations had been considered, that Dagenham became the home of the newest Ford car factory in mainland Britain. During its heyday in the 1950s, Ford Dagenham employed more than 40,000 people and was one of many companies that contributed to the borough's thriving industry. There was a wealth of job opportunities, and as a result, people from far and wide came to settle here. From the 1960s, Through to the 1980s, Britain's most popular cars were coming out of Dagenham. It was official. The borough was booming. But that wouldn't last forever. Although the Ford factory would continue to make engines, vehicle assembly stopped in 2002. And alongside a general decline in industry and job losses during this time, there was also political tension on the horizon. In 2006, the far right gained a foothold in the borough. Racism was on the rise and the community was more divided than ever before. Crime rates skyrocketed and domestic abuse and child obesity rates escalated and are still some of the highest in the country to this day. With the borough critically underfunded and little support to tackle these vital issues, residents' needs were not being met and their voices were going unheard. It was easy for local people to think there was no possibility of things getting better. But a more positive political shift kick-started a change for the better. After decades of deprivation, the council and social sector partners started to work together to devise a plan. Moving forward, they would try a more participatory approach to local decision-making. Barking, Dagenham and Giving was set up in 2020, to give local people more opportunities to participate in decision making. The mission is to ensure everyone is included. Here's Cameron Bray, Head of Learning and Participation at Barking & Dagnan Giving to tell us more.
1: Barking & Dagnan Giving started out as a participatory grant making scheme, which means that we believe that people who are affected by grant making decisions should be the ones making those grant making decisions. And what that means for us is being based in Barking Dagenham, we believe that residents of Barking Dagenham should have the power to make uh, decisions about resources that are available in their their community. We've been around since uh, 2020 doing this work. In that time, we've distributed about half a million Uh, in local grant making funds and we've also started to look at not just where grant making money gets spent but also where the ultimate source of most grant making money in the UK comes from which is from investments so we've started to look at participatory investments.
0: For the residents of Barking and Dagenham their local area is a special place. For someone like Cameron upon their arrival to London they found Dagenham to have a new but familiar energy. They share more about what brought them to Barking and Dagenham and the sense of pride that fellow residents share.
1: I mean, what drew me to start working in the borough was, uh, I used to be a Barbican young poet, and some of the, the work that we did through the Barbican was, was working in Barking to do a bit of sort of like outreach work to sort of get arts, which is obviously very concentrated in the centre of London, out to the, the outskirts. So I started doing like workshops and performances in Barking. Um, and I think what I found really, really special is I'm from a place called Salford uh, up north. And Barking and Dagenham to me just felt a lot like where I grew up and what that meant for me was a very like mixed borough. I think it's got like a, a lot to offer just in terms of like the people who are there and who make it up and like, I get the way that people feel. Ultimately for me it was just like the amount of similarities um, between where I grew up and, and where I've where ended up working just makes me sort of feel a little bit at home. What I enjoy most about my job is getting to work with a wide range of people and the the lens that I approach my work is through power. So you know all our stuff is about decision making. We don't try to use the word empower because it sort of suggests that like I or we as, as Barking Dagon and Giving have power to give out which we've got resources to give people access to and I think that's the way that we try and talk about the work that we do but ultimately the power lies where people are able to manifest and act on that um, and and make change happen and I think so what I enjoy is sort of getting to sit down with people who have very often been excluded from decision making you know not just in terms of like big you know, big P political decisions, but also just small everyday ways that they go about their lives and that not being a thing that they get or that they feel that they're in a lot of control over. Um, And I think to sort of sit with people in those moments of vulnerability and sort of help them work through some of the questions that they have about decision making, which, you know, we're asking people to make decisions about vast sums of money. Um, And I think that can feel very intimidating to people. And so I think what I really enjoy is seeing that change and that growth that happens from people from going from you know the very common narrative that that we have is people going oh who am i to make these decisions to then ended up being like very comfortable making those decisions and, and talking about like why why wasn't i able to make the decision before like why was i being cut out of these conversations um but to use it as a site of bringing people together and sort of working towards something what I friend most exciting
0: Cameron and BD Givens' work has brought local people embarking in Dagenham together to create a whole new kind of fund, the Grow Fund. So, what is the Grow Fund? Cameron explains here.
1: What underlines the Grow Fund is a desire to see um, local ideas grow. There's a lot of development and change happening in Barking Dagenham. And I think while, you know, lots of people welcome that, there's also a sense that people who live and are part of the borough already should be able to access those opportunities and and be part of that that growth and development. Mm. What residents have decided is that there's a pot of money which is for grant making and then there's a pot of money which is to create an endowment fund for the borough so that's about creating a long-term legacy for Barking Dagenham. The growth fund is a vehicle for helping local organisations grow and develop through a combination of grants and fair repayable finance.
0: As head of learning and participation within BD Gibbon, Cameron recruits community members and works directly with groups as a facilitator of conversations around what should happen with this pot of money. Cameron shares their experiences.
1: What was interesting is where we started off with the question of what should this money be spent on? When we first went out with it, the sort of little bit of pushback we got from people was this is a huge sum of money. It's not just a question of what do we want to spend it on, but how do we spend it? Like, how do we go about understanding that sum of money and the context, the bigger context in terms of what it might do for Barking in Dagenham? So then that it, that came back onto me to then help design a program that built up that local capacity within residents so people who were interested stepped forward. And um, We worked with an organization called the Curiosity Society to create a bespoke program, which took Um, About a dozen residents, we worked with them for in total two years and took them through a very methodical process, um, which went from them learning about how investments work, about how large scale financial systems work, and what role this money could play within big financial systems. So throughout all of this, you know, I was helping design the curriculum and really building those relationships with residents to sort of make sure that they felt comfortable and that this was going at a pace that suited them. You know, the way that we talk about it is about trying to accommodate as many views as possible. So it's not always possible to have a consensus, but can you reach a point where enough people feel that their views have been heard and respected and incorporated into whatever happens that they're happy to go along with it, even if they're not necessarily happy with the decision itself?
0: More from Cameron to help us understand where this pot of money comes from.
1: The funding uh, has two sources. So the grant money has been provided by the Lancashire Chase Foundation, who are a large funder who take a, a very broad approach to systems change. They're actually going through a big process of, of upheaval themselves. They've, they've announced that within five years, they don't want to exist anymore. So it's been really good for us to work with like a funder that is... Very radical and exciting and sort of looking at the big questions about, you know, how does power work and how does money relate to power? And then on the loan side of things, where that money comes from is, at the moment, the only source of money into the endowment fund uh, is from Barking Dagenham Council. And the way that works is we get a portion of some of the money that is generated from development in the borough. So there's a thing called the Neighbourhood Community Infrastructure Levy, which is a levy imposed on any new developments in the borough. The council uses some of that money for its own activities, but in December 2020, they made a decision to use some of that money to set up this endowment fund within Barking, Dagenham, and Giving. So at the moment, that's where that money comes from. Our hope is to sort of grow that, uh, the endowment fund, over time from other sources as well.
0: Cameron shares more details about how the application process for the growth fund has a community feel and highlights the transparency around decision-making, additional support, and personal and professional development.
1: The application process came at the tail end of working with the the cohort of residents that that's, that we've worked with over the past two years. So this was like the last big decision that they that they made as a, as a group. Many of them also like run organisations or have run organisations in the past. They've got experience with funding. They wanted an application process that felt fair and didn't feel that it was sort of you know wasting people's time in applying, asking questions that were not particularly relevant. So it was very important that it was that resident voice that is at the heart of these decisions. And I think what is really important is because this has a business focus, our hope, which is what we have seen with other bits of grant making as well. But by involving residents in the decision-making process, it makes it far more likely that these businesses, these local businesses should succeed because they've already got local buy-in from people who believe in them who have their networks, you know, they're speaking to their friends and family about this process that they're involved in. They were finding out stuff about their borough that they didn't know before. Um, and I think that's the other really exciting thing about participatory grantmaking. making. You know, if you work for a big, na- you know, a national funder and you're making decisions about a place that you don't live in, like miles and miles away, you might look at it and go, that's quite interesting. But if you're a resident and you read about something that is happening, you know, two, three streets away from you, and it's been there for years and you didn't know about it or you were too nervous. And then all of a sudden you're hearing about all these great things they're doing, the level of need they have, the services they provide. You know, we've got decision makers, you know, finding out about like basketball classes that their kids now go to because they read about this application. And I think that's what's really important. For us is that the process of decision making isn't just about getting to the outcome of these, you know, which eight people get to benefit from this. It's also what is the the whole the impact on the wider system of actually involving local people in the decision-making and I think that's for us is, is one of the really big strengths.
0: Applying for funding can be daunting and historically some applications can be tricky to understand or complete. For Cameron the Grow Fund has done a great job of demystifying the funding application process and as a result they have seen more interest than ever from other communities that sometimes get overlooked.
1: So the feedback that we've got from the application process, I mean, I think it's, we always have to like temper stuff slightly, because even with all our talk about how we share power and give over decision making power of the community, people do still want to placate us as a funder. So I think it's really important to, to acknowledge that. I think that said the feedback that we've got is that this has been some of the easiest funding that people have applied for even people who've been rejected have come back to us and said that they they found it really really helpful in terms of like helping to frame their ideas you know we had a whole section which was just about talking about Barking Dagenham and the things that you love about Barking Dagenham and I think you know some of the feedback there but you know they never got asked that you know some of the feedback we've got is it Help people really reconnect with like why they were doing the work, why the borough mattered to them. You know, we've had people who are who've come forward with like various access needs and have found it um, more accessible than than uh, many other funders. Which uh, you know, I, I I'm disabled myself and I've done a lot of the disability rights work, um, so it's really encouraging to to hear. Um, I think we've still got a long way to go, but I think it's really important that we take time to acknowledge when we're doing stuff right and hopefully share that practice with other funders because we know that a lot of them are struggling with sort of with attracting different groups and I think the other bit of like really big feedback that we got was the way that the process was designed and the language that we used around it a lot of people felt that this fund actually was for them you know we had I think like 75% of our applications were from black-led organizations it blows out of the water most Local funders, I I think it'd be unfair to compare us to national funders, we had people from a wide range of communities involved in making that application process. So the way that it was framed and the language that gets used meant that people in the borough who had looked at other funding opportunities uh, and may have come away with the impression that it wasn't for them or it wasn't for their community, it wasn't there to support them. That isn't the impression that they got from the Grow Fund. And we didn't set out to say, you know, oh, this is a fund that specifically targets X community. It was just something that, that it came about naturally from it being a participatory process. And I think that's the the really interesting thing. Of the, There's a decent amount of evidence that sort of points to that. But again, it wasn't something that we went in there intending to happen. But I think the the reaction we got from people in terms of there was actually a fund that spoke to people and encouraged them to apply and made them feel that they were, that they were wanted, I think isn't an experience that they've had in a lot of other places. So I think it's been really nice to hear that.
0: One of the most interesting parts of the Grow Fund are the different workshops and sessions that applicants get to take part in. It's more than money. The Grow Fund is designed to empower every applicant. Cameron shares more about how the Impact Hub and Bargaining Dagnum Giving put their workshops together in the spirit of collaboration and the positive outcomes.
1: So the way that the Grow Fund program is operating is we're we're very Fortunate to be working with Impact Hub London on delivering this. Impact Hub London are a business accelerator, and so they support uh, entrepreneurs with a, a, a social focus. So they offer sort of like workshop support, they set up peer networks, and a lot of like one-to-one targeted action. So we've, we've brought them in at the behest of the community because it's not a skill set that Barking, Dagger and Giving has. So our community steering group really wanted to make sure that we were leaning on expertise so that these businesses that have been supported through the girlfriend Fund get, you know, as much help as they can to, to make a success. They have come up with a lot of the, the syllabus based on their experience in deliver, delivering similar programs. Where we fed into it is based on our experience as a grant maker over the last sort of few years. And trying to identify what the local need was um, around, you know, why are people having trouble accessing finance? Why are people having trouble accessing like larger grants or, or larger pots of money? You know, we're talking about like sales, marketing, foundational things to organizations. Uh, you know, the difficulty that we, we're having in Bark and Dagenham is it's the, the fifth most deprived borough in the country. And there is there's a lot, there's a huge amount of excellent people doing amazing work, trying, you know, supporting local businesses. But if the landscape is a struggling borough, it's very hard to sort of see that and for it to happen organically and to sort of have people that you can learn from and to know where to turn to for help as well. Um, so I think a, a lot of the stuff that we've tried to design the program around is to really speak to those foundational needs. We've consulted with, so you've got the Barking Enterprise Centre, the Beck. Um, you know, so we had their input in terms of what were the needs that they were seeing locally and um, that this program could help address. Um, so that's what, that went into it as well. We had our our residents, our decision makers as part of the process, you know, many of them run businesses as well. And if, you know, a lot of it was informed by their experience of trying to run a business in Barking Dagenham, what support did, would they have wanted at the time when they were starting out? So all, all of that's come together to sort of give Impact Hub um, a basis to start from. Um, and then what we're adding onto the top of that is our participatory element. So we're we're working with the the businesses to to look at how they can integrate the community um into the work that they're doing and to hopefully have that bit of a ripple effect that, you know, we're not saying that everyone has to run their business by whatever the community's whims are, but you know, what are the ways that they could open things up um to local people to hopefully have that bit of a feedback cycle that if people feel that a business is not just there to make money but he's also there to benefit their community and actively uh, helps and supports them and i think most people can probably point to a local business that they feel does that for them i think it's like how do we really tap into that feeling and give people the the tools to really connect to their community um so that yeah it, it becomes something that's deeply rooted and deeply entrenched in the community and isn't just something that's superficial and and could be ta- you know could be swept away at the next crisis
0: after all the applications sessions workshops and I was getting everything ready. What does the success of the Grow Fund look like to Cameron?
1: We've gone into this with, you know, trying to keep an open mind as to what success might look like because this is the first year. You know, the baseline that we're working from is do these eight organisations feel that they have benefited from this programme? And I think taking that as our core mission, you know, that is the focus, not to take a BD giving lens on things, but to really sort of say, like, has this worked for people? Two of the things that we're measuring, you know, we're doing sort of more traditional monitoring and evaluation around what they're actually doing and getting them to report back on that um, and any challenges that they're facing. But we've also been testing out measuring their well-being over time. So we're looking at three different uh, metrics, which is how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their organization and how they feel about Bark and Dagenham as a whole. And we've been asking them that on a monthly basis. Success would look like if you know people felt better about themselves, better about their organization and better about their their connection to Park and Dagenham. That would be amazing if that's what we could show. But I think there's a measure of success in in can we actually get to a point where this cohort feels that they've that they've got something out of it. A part two to that of what success looks like is that we as BD giving feel that we've learned enough to build on the growth fund for for the future.
0: This episode of Nine Miles East was produced by Chris Mitchell, Cass Denton, and also Hannah Varrell, courtesy of The Feast Collective. Additional editing was done by Engin Hassan, and sound design was by Chris Mitchell. The podcast concept came from Louise Kavanagh at Purposeful Marketing. If you like what you've heard, feel free to leave a rating or a comment and tell all your friends about us. This podcast is brought to you by Barking and Dagenham Giving. To learn more about the Great Fund and other things happening with BD Giving, please visit bdgiving.org.uk.